Good morning. It's uh, it's kind of a think tank Thursday. And Patrick Ishmael is on board for the Show Me Institute. And we're going to talk about education. Uh, and uh, to that end, uh, to that extent, uh, let's uh, find out about transparency bills, Missouri Parents Bill of Rights. Patrick, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Gary? I do am well. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. So tell me about this Bill of Rights. What's going on? Yeah, so uh, we've talked before about the Missouri Parents Bill of Rights. We, we drafted a version of our own, and you've seen these kind of around the country, but uh, at the end of 2019, we released, or 2020, uh, uh, pardon me, 2021, we released what we thought would be a good Parents Bill of Rights. And what a Missouri Parents Bill of Rights really is, is this idea that parents should be at the center of their kids' education. And the only way that you can really get them in the center is if you empower them to see exactly how money is being spent uh, at the school and district level, what is being taught to kids, uh, you know, how these schools and districts are performing. And we were hoping in this past legislative session that we would have really seen some progress on this. But uh, we did see some pre-file bills for next year that make pretty clear that I think a lot of legislators are interested uh, in, in pursuing this, this topic. And the reason this topic is important is, you know, over the last two years or so, we have been sending out sunshine law requests around the state uh, to find out what uh, kids have been taught uh, by these schools and districts, uh, specifically whether or not critical race theory was being taught. Uh, and it, as it turns out, there are districts that are teaching it. Uh, but one of the big problems is that a lot of districts just simply don't want to talk about it. They don't want to be held accountable or responsible for what's being taught. Uh, and when you look at the actual performance, the actual uh, uh, exams that are being uh, taken by kids to find out what, how they're doing compared to other students across the, the country, uh, they are doing pretty poorly. So on the one hand, you, you see these kind of controversial topics definitely showing up in the classroom. But on the other hand, the things that are actually important, like reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, are not being taught very well. And so one of, one of the solutions to this, of course, is school choice. If your school or school district is doing poorly or they are teaching things that you wouldn't agree with, you should have the option to, to go elsewhere uh, and get your kid a good, a good education. But as part of that, you need to be able to have informed school choice. You need to be actually be able to, to compare schools, compare public districts about what uh, what they are teaching and how well they are teaching it. Uh, and so I think that a Missouri Parents of Rights is central to this idea of informed school choice where not only are you able to choose between schools and districts more, more easily, but you're also able to actually see and compare uh, what's happening. So uh, the Missouri Parents of Rights, I think, is, is a great step in the right direction. Uh, if it's passed, uh, we're hopeful that this year it will be passed. Last year was uh, unfortunately disappointing on that front, but uh, hopefully we will actually see some transparency in education in 2023. Yeah, a lot of things didn't get passed in the last uh, session. Um, there are other bills that are being pre-filed. Anything else that you're watching? Yeah, the corporate income tax is a, is a pretty popular topic to have legislation filed on right now. Um, uh, during the special session, um, the individual income tax was cut. Um, but uh, at one point, the corporate income tax almost was included uh, uh, as a, a subject of reduction. It ended up being removed at the last minute, which I think is ultimately fine. I think there, there ought to be a serious and comprehensive conversation about the best way to kind of reduce the corporate income tax and ultimately, hopefully, phase it out. Um, but uh, the corporate income tax is certainly a, a, a hot topic right now. I think it'll get a lot of time on the floor of both the House and the Senate. Uh, and then uh, one other topic I think they'll probably get a lot of attention is the 
personal property tax. Um, there has been a lot of discussion in the last, you know, probably five or six years about, um, you know, the the appropriateness of a personal property tax. You know, is, is it uh, the best way to, to tax the public or is it one of the best ways to tax the public? I tend to think not. Uh, the personal property tax can be gained pretty easily uh, by moving property out of a district or, you know, there, there are lots of ways that you can avoid personal property tax or, or manipulate it. So uh, the idea of, of uh, reducing or eliminating that tax, I think, is going to be discussed quite a bit. But between those two, the corporate income tax and the personal property tax, I think the corporate income tax probably going to get a lot more attention this legislative session. Personal property tax is going to get some attention, but I think it might be part of a longer conversation. Well, as someone who's so motivated uh, that I got legislation, uh, you know, uh, uh, I got it drawn up and, and introduced, uh, the only thing that uh, stopped me was getting enough signatures. Uh, COVID hit that year, but I think it's a terrible way to tax. I also don't, I'm not real fond of real estate tax either. And everybody tells me, well, yeah, but it's the most dependable source of income for the government. And that's just the exact opposite of the way it should be. The government should have to respond to the economy the way we do. Uh, but when you're blackmailing people and taking their house, you know, then you're forcing them to make the sacrifices that the government should be making. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there are a lot of different ways that you can approach good tax policy. When we talk about tax policy reform, we usually talk about it in the context of growth. And so income taxes, you know, corporate income tax and, and individual income tax, those are the worst for growth. After that is a sales tax. That's, you know, second worst for growth. Uh, and, and property taxes are the, the best for growth because, it, especially when you're talking about real estate, you can't move that out of district. It's just, it's there, it's stable. Um, but there are other philosophies that you can pursue if you're looking at uh, reforming the tax code. And of course, with property taxes, uh, it raises the question about whether you own your property or whether you're kind of renting it from the government. Uh, because if you don't pay your property taxes, they can take your property. Um, I think that that is a, a legitimate concern. I think if you're going to have a property tax that needs to be, you know, reasonably fairly applied, and, I, and, that, and that's also why I think the personal property tax is problematic because uh, it can be gamed so easily. You know, you have the problems with, with property tax in general, philosophically speaking, um, but the personal property tax is kind of that on steroids. So certainly. The, the idea of renting your own property from the government is not one that we're terribly uh, <laughs> pleased with, uh, I think. But at the same time, um, it, it is a stable form of revenue. Uh, but with the personal property tax, I think that uh, it, it is too problematic of a system uh, to, to really, I think, justify itself going forward. Now, whether that's going to change in the next um, you know, year in the next you know six months for the next legislative session. I don't know, but uh, I think that that conversation is overdue, and, and hopefully the legislature takes it seriously uh, in, in the next few months. Yeah, the, the the revenue that the government gets shouldn't be any less subject to the vicissitudes of the marketplace than my job is. Uh, and, and, you know, and that's my problem. Uh, yeah, I understand that it's a, a reliable source to, to tax uh, my real estate, a uh, reliable source of income to the, to the government, because I'll give up eating if I have to, to keep my house. But they should be saying, and subject to the same, you know, marketplace swings that I am, and go, gee, we're not making as much money. We're going to have to trim someplace. We're going to have to cut someplace. 
Uh, and I think that would make the government a little bit more like businesses and 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 homes uh, and uh, you know homeowners. They they would be subject to the same sorts of pressures. They were they would have to cut back just like we do. <laughs> Instead, it you know there's no reason why they should be you know not subject to those kinds of uh, pressures. Anyway, yeah. I- I, 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 and I, I agree with you. I, I do think it's a balancing act between priorities and, and of values, for sure. Uh, there, there's no perfect taxing system. Obviously, no one opts in to pay taxes, really. But uh, if we're going to pay taxes, I think we have to kind of figure out exactly a, a principle to, to, to rely on or a handful of principles. And there are lots of reasons to attack property taxes, lots of reasons to attack income taxes. Uh, and uh, I think the, but the best way forward is through debate and discussion, and I think the legislature is going to have plenty of that in the next few months. Patrick Ishmael, I, I assume you're going to take a few days uh, to, to be with family, that the Show Me Institute's going to give you a little Christmas break? <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I, I assume, though, I don't know how, how much I'm going to be able to get out in the next couple of days with the snow here. I don't know what it's like in Columbia right now, but we are getting slammed here in Kansas City. Yeah, we're starting to get a little, uh, little snowy here, too. Uh, and, uh, of course, it's cold. Patrick, take care, and uh, have a great holiday. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Uh, it is uh, getting a little snowy out there, and uh, you might want to keep your headlights on uh, so that other people can see you. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show, and when we come back, Senator Mike Lee on extortion. 20 minutes after 10 o'clock. It's it's a Froster Buns Think Tank end of the week program because uh, we're not going to be here tomorrow. Uh, what are they? Are they getting the best of tomorrow? Uh, yes, they are. Uh-huh. And you're not going to make a joke like well, we couldn't find a best of because it was your show. Is that? Yeah, pretty much. I, I'm still looking for anything that's even mildly entertaining funny. and informative. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really a challenge. <laughs> Could be like till midnight or maybe later. <laughs> Might just turn the transmitter off. <laughs> and I have to work with this with this guy every day. Oh God. All right, let me uh let me get to something serious here. Mike Lee uh, talking about this one point seven trillion dollar spending bill. Um and, and quickly we're going to jump. To expedite their process from which they excluded. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That isn't right. Let's try it this way. The bill's 4,155 pages long. We got it a few hours ago. So so I I, I find it offensive when colleagues suggest they deliberately contrive this shutdown threat. They are extorting us and the American people, using the American people and, and the legitimate fears they have as bait. And then they drop it on us at the last possible moment when they could plausibly do it. And then within hours, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are, are you finished? Are you ready to give us consent? Uh, that, is, that is the height of presumptuousness. This really is, this is legislative barbarism. This is extortion. And, it, and it's wrong. So it's, uh, I'm sorry, that is way too soon to be asking us how quickly we're going to jump to expedite their process from which they excluded every single one of us and 330 million Americans. That's wrong. I'm going to play this one more time because there's something I want you to listen carefully to. The bill's 4,155 Listen to Rand Paul We got it a few hours ago. Did you hear that? Read the bills. 
That's the Read the Bills Act that Rand Paul, it's our downsized D.C. legislation that he has uh, introduced repeatedly. But the Republicans, <laughs> they're not signing on to it. But let me tell you, it, it is exactly what, what uh, Senator Lee has just said is exactly true. They should have been passing these things all through the year, and they didn't. And then they wait until the very last minute, and they and don't think it's it's by accident. It's not like the Democrats were so damn busy, or the Republicans were so overwhelmingly uh, tied up. Although, although this mostly this time around fits the Democrats' bill, that they couldn't get anything done. And then all of a sudden, at the very last minute, they come up with this. $1.7 trillion, 4,000-page bill that nobody is going to read. Don't think that was an accident. Don't believe for a minute that that was just, you know, a, you know, it's just the way it unfolded. No, they knew all along that this is what they were going to do. Because they knew they could load this thing up with just anything they wanted. And it was going to happen. And... There is, um, you know, all these really horrible things in, in this legislation. But we this is just one that, that caught my eye. Apparently, they have d decided to give the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, uh, better known as Burnham and Turnham to Fire after Waco, over a billion dollars. A billion dollars. Think about that. BATF getting a billion dollars. Um, it, it, it's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. The Swamp writes, The Gun Owners of America wants to fill our stockings with gun control this Christmas. They're about to vote on a 1.7 trillion, 4,155-page omnibus uh, that was drafted at 1.30 in the morning that would give the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms a massive budget hike and provide funding for gun registration, gun confiscation, and the facilitation of Biden's pistol ban. Now, you'd think that the Republicans alone would be upset about this and willing to, to fight to prevent this from happening. But, oh no. No, that's not happening. It's really, really ugly. So what should the Republicans do? Suppose you and a bunch of like-minded people were members of the House and Senate and you were actually conservative Republicans. What would you do? Would you shut down the government or would you say let's just hold off for a, a few weeks until the, we can you know control the house of representatives and be in a better a better place 8749390800529552 would you be willing to shut down the government i mean that's what they're going to call it under these circumstances Brian, would you be willing to? Hmm, let me think. <laughs> yeah, it didn't take you long. Yeah, no. Uh, I would much prefer to shut down the government. 
you know that even if the Republicans pass a short-term spending bill just to delay their uh, insertion into the new Congress, they're going to spend money as soon as they get seated in there. You know how they are. Yep. By the way, BATF, their budget would be $1,747,000,000. That's an increase that exceeds the rate of inflation. So, while you're struggling with inflation, BATF gets nearly $2 billion. Uh, That's troublesome. Here's what happens if they shut down the government. The, uh, the, The press and the media, and I've said this before, will go out and find every federal employee that isn't working, and they will say, just days before Christmas. And the Republicans have kicked these people out of work, taken their job away when they're trying to have Christmas with their families. And boy, they're going to be painted as evil. I'm just saying, politically, that's going to be a tough road to hoe. Travis is, uh, wait, let me try, there we go. Now I got him. Travis is on the line. Travis, good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, I've, I've got a job and I work for a living. I mean, I don't know if they must have ran out of money with all the uh, American Rescue Plan funds that they sent out for the almost $100 billion that we've sent to other countries like Ukraine and, you know, securing the border in other countries, yet ours is wide open. I mean... I think that if my wife goes on a shopping spree with money we don't have, I'm going to end up cutting up her credit cards. I, I'd say shut the government down. Shut it down. Uh, even shut though you down. know that the media are going to pay, you know, they're going to play you out as being evil. I was in the military. I served when Barack Obama said that the military volunteered to be over there and that they should pay for their own insurance. Shut it down. All right. Travis says shut it down. He's in with Brian. Thank you, Travis. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Let's see. uh, Thread. uh, This is from Chip Roy from uh, Texas. Senators voted to proceed to the $1.7 trillion ominous and to support billions we don't have, empower Biden bureaucrats with no fixes, and block us from securing the border for at least nine months some are friends. One, my former boss. Uh, let's see, Murkowski, Shelby, Tub- Tuberville. Uh, Bo- you know who's on here, Brian? I, I know you're going to be surprised. Roy Blunt. <laughs> wow. I'm so wow. stunned. I, uh, That's you know, shocking. I, yeah. As an as a, uh, exceedingly conservative Republican... Uh, I am stunned, shocked, I tell you. <laughs> Roy Blunt's name is on that list. All right, we're up against the clock. we got to take a quick break. It, if, a fun piece from Jesse Waters about Christmas. We'll play it for you next on the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. Well, Think Tank Thursday is officially <laughs> is officially over. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, Lord. All right. Uh, listen, uh, this is uh, Chuck Schumer explaining how this 4,100-page bill is perfectly okay. Mr. Chairman, how is it in a functional process to drop a 4,100-page bill this morning, expect to vote on it tomorrow? Well, most of Congress hasn't had a chance to review this. Look, the bill has been carefully worked on by the Appropriations Committee for a very, very long time. Uh, most of the provisions of the bill were well known weeks and weeks and weeks in advance. And uh, getting this bill done for the American people, which really matters, is the most important thing. Yes. So it's been known. It's been known for weeks and weeks and weeks. If you see the video, by the way, you see Patty Murray uh, standing behind him. And she she is like the dullest, dumbest woman uh, in, in the Senate. I, I just don't know how she gets elected. Anyway, uh, allegedly it's... It's it's they've known it for months. They've known. Uh, absolutely, do not vote for this. This is just blackmail, and it's ugly. Uh, Brian sent me a message. Not Brian Hanson. Another Brian said, "Hello, Gary. What state and federal government departments would you like to be eliminated? Thank you in advance. Uh, well, let me do the federal." And if there's a, a similar one uh, in the state, uh, then that would go to Department of Education, Health and Human Services, uh, Labor Department, BATF. Uh, what am I missing, Brian? There's got to be more. Uh, Homeland Security. Oh, what other? What other? Uh, what other departments would you get rid of, Brian? Uh, the IRS. Yeah, the Internal the FBI. Revenue. Uh, by the way, the IRS is, I'm not saying the Treasury Department. There should be a Treasury, uh, but there shouldn't be uh, an income tax. And Department so the, of Education. Yeah, got them. Uh, I don't know. We, Listeners we get, actually started a list uh, last time we did this, and <laughs> it was a long, long list of Things that we could certainly do without. Oh, the Environmental Protection Agency? Yep. Gone. FDA? Gone. I mean, it would, you, you, you pare it down. And here's what happens. People hear this and they get terrified. They think, oh, my God, if, if you got rid of the Food and Drug Administration, we'd all be poisoned. But no, the private marketplace would do a much better job determining the efficacy of new drugs. And it would cost a lot less money, and you would still have choices that you don't have now. Uh, you, 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 not, you know this, this whole baby formula problem that we just had? Without the FDA, that baby formula problem does not exist. In fact, without the FDA and some of the tariffs that, they have, uh, that the dairy industry has pushed uh, on uh, baby formula, all along, formula would be a lot less expensive. In fact, everything would be less expensive. Healthcare costs would plummet. One of the reasons everybody resists when I say let's get rid of uh, government schools is they think, well, education, it's so expensive. It's not expensive. It's only expensive because the government's involved in it. Without the government involvement, ed education gets better and it's much less expensive.
And it could literally be free. It could. You could you could have sponsors teaching on the internet. And before you say, and I know a lot of you are, yeah, we've seen how that internet teaching goes. The private marketplace has been successfully teaching on the internet for a long time. It's only the government schools that have been sacrificed uh, that have done such a terrible job teaching on the interwebs. Private marketplace has been doing it for a while and doing it successfully. Uh, when it comes to uh, uh, just about anything that the government is involved in, oh, you know what else I would get rid? Of? I'd get rid of FEMA. I'd get rid of FEMA. Absolutely. The the government does such a terrible job. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've missed anything, Brian. I, I think we've we've pretty much gutted Washington between the two of us. Uh, did we say the uh, Department of Homeland Security? Did we get that one? I I think I did. I I think I said uh, Homeland Security. I mentioned that earlier on. All right, let's have a little fun here. Uh, just uh, we'll we'll get into some serious stuff here in a few minutes. But Tucker Carlson, or I'm sorry, uh, Jesse Waters did a fun piece on Christmas, and uh, I think I think it's going to be fun. So here we go. We love Christmas here at Prime Time. That's why we fight any time a persnickety librarian takes down a tree. It's not just about getting gifts and watching movies. Christmas is about giving, helping others, and of course, it's Jesus's birthday. But how much do people really know about Christmas? We wanted to find out, so we sent Johnny. Is it Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? Always Merry Christmas. I'm a Merry Christmas guy myself. They don't say Merry Christmas, so you know, but this is my favorite time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. What does Christmas mean to you? The food, the gifts, the good feeling. Going out and see the lights. Snow. I love the snow. Getting a new Xbox or a new skateboard. Turkey. That's Thanksgiving. Where was Jesus born? In the hospital? I want to say the North Pole. Bethlehem. I missed this class in Sunday school, I'm telling you. I am 59. I don't have time to be remembering all this stuff. I went to Sunday school. That was years ago. Picture it. Sicily, 1922. Where is Bethlehem? Pennsylvania. Ukraine? In Jerusalem, right? I don't know. If I, if I could, I'd give you the... The, the geo-coordinates. 140 degrees latitude and 10 degrees longitude. What was Jesus' profession? Making sure that his reindeers are all healthy. He was a carpenter. So would that be like his sleigh, maybe? Jesus wasn't Santa Claus. Was he like a doctor, like a, like a doctor, kind of? He used to heal people, or I'm bugging. No, you're not bugging. Oh, my God, I'm totally bugging. He the bestest. That's all I know. I don't know what his profession is, but I believe in trusting him. A floor man like me. Which union was he in? He wasn't in the union, no, but he knew the secret handshake. The three wise men, they brought Jesus gifts. What did they bring him? Would that be the three musketeers? Was he Italian? They weren't wise guys. 
A crown, a piece of fish, some bread, and water. Do you think that's where they got the seven fishes from? I don't know where they got them from. I'm glad they took it to them. Gold, incense, myrrh. What is myrrh? Myrrh is, um, I, I believe it's a, it's a type of... Um, what country did the Christmas tree originate in? Upstate Canada. Upstate Canada? Yeah. No. Oh, I bet. I'm bugging. You're definitely bugging this time. Germany? Yeah, your kingdom. Don't tell me you're going to say the animal kingdom next. Can you name Santa's reindeer? Dominic, Cupid, and... Donner, and... Nixon. Donald. (laughs) Trump? Donda, Dan, Don, Danda. There was Dasher and Dancer and Dominic. Uh, Not the Italian Christmas donkey. It's Dominic the donkey. Again, you are going to be on Jesse Waters Primetime. What do you want to tell Jesse this time? He got me again. He got me one more again. There you go. A little, uh, little Christmas entertainment there. Brian, can you name the reindeer? Uh, probably. I mean, yeah, you're going right to look it up. Not right cheat. off the top of my head. Yeah, you're going to look it up. Dasher, Rudolph, and the rest of them. How about that? Yeah, close enough for government work. <laughs> All right, up against the clock. Quick break. We'll be back. Gary Nolan Zimmer, Radio Network. It is uh, 1049, 10.50. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, our final show before the uh, Christmas uh, holiday. Uh, it, what's... Uh, uh, Brian, uh, driving in uh, in this kind of snow that it's not really all that bad, but the you know visibility can be a concern. Uh, keep your lights on. Yeah, a lot of people forget just because it's daytime doesn't mean oh I don't need to turn these things on. And some people just assume that the auto that you have set on your vehicle is going to flip flip them on, but that's not the case. You know the. It's light enough outside that your vehicle thinks that it's light enough, but it's not. So manually yeah. turn those on. Newer cars come with daytime running lights, uh, and that's kind of an advantage. But do be careful out there. Do keep the lights on. If you don't have to go out in the cold and the and this uh, you know the snow and it, it's not it's not like the snow is piled up so bad that you you get stuck. But still, you want to be careful. Um, yeah, and some of the early precipitation this morning around 6 o'clock was the freezing sleet. And it yeah, kind of created a thin layer of ice that made it kind of slippery. And now we have just all snow, and it's blowing snow. And we don't have any records of or reports, I should say, of uh, accidents. And that's a great thing. So yeah. uh, just uh, allow plenty of time to get where you're going. If you don't have to go anywhere, then stay home. Just listen to us. That's all you have to do. That's all you got to do. 874-9390. 800-529-5572. Um, we've got the, the whole Zelensky uh, coming to the uh, talk to the president and uh, the, the amount of money they're going to give uh, Josh Hawley on the FBI. When Hawley hits it out of the ballpark, I will tell you, and he does uh, on this. So uh, a lot of ground to cover in the final hour of the program. Let me go to the phones. Alan is on the line. Alan, welcome. How are you? Yeah, I was wondering if you guys had talked about the little Easter egg that uh, 
that Steve Pat Pest Control left left in its commercial for you? Because it sure sounds like it. You know what I'm talking about? No. Uh-uh. Well, they talk about, they have this little limerick, and they run along, and, and they say something about kill all, all the pests. And right after they say that, out of the blue, they have a, a cat meow. <laughs> and it sure sounds like they're inferring that the meow is a pest, that the cat's a pest, and they don't make explain it, and they only do it once in the commercial, and it sure sounds like it's a, you know, it's an oh, oh to your, your, your concern. Well, uh, you know, we, maybe we should get Josh on the, uh, can we get Josh in the studio, Brian? We could, yeah. Get Josh to, to come in the studio. We'll find out about this. We'll dig into okay. this. Alan, well, thank it, you. if it was accidental, it sure seems like a pretty odd accident, because I don't know what the cat has to do with killing, killing bugs in your home, but... Well, we'll find out. We're going to get Josh into the studios. Uh, Alan, okay. uh, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Knoll Show. I'm, I'm going to do this. Uh, people who produce and write commercials uh, have a real challenge because they have to come up with something that is informative. He's not back there today. Oh, darn. I know. And that people will pay attention to. And it's very challenging. And he just won a national award uh, for one of his commercials, if if you're going to advertise, especially on radio, you want to come here and get Josh to write and produce your commercial, um, because he will he will get attention for your product. He is incredibly talented, um, and I've I've heard some of those uh, uh, pieces that he he's written uh, for uh, Steve's Pest Control. And, and others, and they're just they're just brilliant. You know, he was asking me uh, yesterday because I went in there and I said, "Man, that last Steve's Pest Control commercial that you did just knocked it out of the park." He said, "Which one?" And I said, "Yeah, I know you've got so many, but I told him the uh, I think it was the Twas the Night Before Christmas ad." Yeah, and I said we actually didn't hear it until it ran on the Gun Show, and he said it's been it's been running for a couple weeks. And I told him, I said, we don't hear the commercials during the breaks because we're playing some other stuff. And he said, I really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, he's a really humble guy. He is a humble guy and, and uh, very, very talented. Uh, I'm just telling you, if you're going to start advertising in radio, <laughs> you want to come here to Zimmer and let them do it. Because um, can, uh, can we get our hands on that, uh, that uh, Steve's Pest Control piece? Uh, we could, oh, uh, hang on a second, because I think I just found Josh. Oh, great. Let me get him right. positioned in here. All right. There we go. I'm telling you, genius. I listen to these things, and I'm thinking, this is, you know, New York, Wall Street kind of advertising. And we're doing this, by the way, we're doing this extemporaneously. We didn't plan on doing this. Uh, it's just uh, that a caller brought it up, and and while he's okay, know, available, we, we are set with him. I yeah, believe. got us. Josh, how are you? Uh, how are you? There he is. Uh, there we go. Hello. Now, we now we're good. We were just talking about one of your Steve's pest control commercials. And oh Lord. Well, listen, I've been I've been uh, touting your praises up and down uh, because I think you are one of the most brilliant. Uh, copywriters I have ever heard. And 
I'm, and I'm serious. I wouldn't bring you into the studio otherwise. Well, thank you, Gary. I was just glad you didn't bring me into the studio to argue with me because I listen <laughs> to your show and that wouldn't go well. So, no, no, not, not here to argue. No, good, thank God. I'll but, stick to copywriting. Uh, one of the callers said that uh, you've got a Steve's pest control piece, and where you say uh, something about getting rid of the pest, and then you have a cat's meow. Uh, in the background, and they thought maybe that was, you know, something to do with me and my dislike of my wife's cat. Yeah, that was absolutely why I stuck that in there. That was oh, that was a Gary Nolan Easter egg. So, uh, Josh, I can tell when you're lying. I can see it in your eyes. I've been training him. I've been around Hanson too long. Is the problem? Haven't we all? Yeah, I'm just glad you enjoy those. It, you know, we talk about branding and messaging and. Um, you know, if you, if you look at ad campaigns, you see like Progressive and um, Geico. These are some of the best ones. And I think it's because you, you have to take an industry like a Steve's Pest Control and you wouldn't think you could do anything with pest control and make it fun, but you can. Uh, so I always try to do that. I'm, I'm glad it entertains you guys. It's, it's well, a lot it's of a, fun. I can't believe I get to do what I get to do for a living. So It's a fine line because if it becomes too entertaining, you, don't, you lose the product. Yes. And if it's not entertaining, you lose everything. You tune it out and you lose everybody, right? And you manage to hit that nail squarely on the thumb. Man, I appreciate that, Gary. Coming from you especially, that's a big deal. Hanson always just tells me they're terrible. but <laughs> <laughs> You know better than that, buddy. I do. Yeah, I do. All right, Josh. Thank you, guys. By the Take way, care. Josh, there's a really cool vape shop in town. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, for or God's not. sake. Como vapors. You see? Oh, jeez. Yeah. That too, Brute? Josh, get out of my studio. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Hey, good uh, to talk to you, Gary. All right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, how much time I have here, Brian? You have about a minute. All right. I'm going to get Bill on the line. Bill, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Hello. Merry Christmas, Gary. Merry Christmas to you, too. The ones I really enjoy are the Liberty Insurance commercials. I think they're really funny. But, uh, Whenever this song, new song comes out about Steve Pest Control, I turn the radio off. Okay. Well, I can't help that. Thank you, Bill. Uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, Josh is just that incredibly talented. What is the, you know, what's the funniest commercial you've ever seen on TV, Brian? Is there probably, one that you saw? Probably that? the Walmart clown commercial from Racist. 10 years ago. When he that steps was, on that. Oh, yeah. I just had watched that <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> There was a commercial that Walmart had, and this clown is supposed to entertain these kids. And apparently somebody left, I guess, a jack on the floor. And, uh, he lets out this blood-curdling scream. Oh, terrifies the kids. All right, up against the clock. Quick break. Gary Nolan Zimmer, Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.